Merry Christmas, everyone. It is the Chief Zone Podcast. I'm Farzi Masugi, and your host of the Chief Zone Podcast, here talking to you. I think for the first time in the podcast history, doing a podcast coming out on Christmas Day. So certainly, uh, certainly history being made here on the Chief Zone Podcast. But history was made on Sunday because. The Kansas City Chiefs, let's just get right into it, okay? The Kansas City Chiefs are AFC West champions. Yes, that's right. The Chiefs are going to the playoffs, and because they're AFC West champions, that means there is going to be another home game at Arrowhead Stadium this year. So the Chiefs knew what they were doing all along when they were talking about sending a bill to season ticket holders for a playoff game. So, Hey, look! It's really been an up and down year. It's been it's been crazy. You you start off five and zero, the final team in the NFL to drop a football game uh, after some really really impressive wins against some great teams. Then you lose six of seven, and now you're riding a three game winning streak. And there's so much to talk about with what the Chiefs have been able to do lately uh, on offense, on defense, on special teams. So many great things just happening with the Kansas City Chiefs on the field. Uh, we're going to get into all of that. A lot of people have uh, have been asking what what's going to happen to the Kansas City Chiefs when it comes to seeding. Can they move up to the three seed? Right now, the Kansas City Chiefs own a four seed. I'll answer all of that. People also want to know who are the Chiefs going to play next week. Any possibility they, they play uh, the Steelers of all teams or... Uh, uh, a lot of people are asking if the Chargers uh, could end up uh, coming to Arrowhead once again. So a lot of people asking those questions. I'll get to all of those questions in just a moment. Got to remind you guys, facebook.com slash and That is a Facebook page. Give it a like. Follow me on Facebook. Interact with me on Facebook. You guys can join me for Facebook Live videos at halftime and after every game. Did so, uh, as always, with this game. And uh, we're going to do it again, uh, hopefully, this coming Sunday. I'm going to be in Las Vegas for UFC 219 next Sunday, and uh, well, well, it's actually next Saturday, but uh, the Chiefs game is going to be on Sunday, and I'm going to try to find a place. Hopefully, they can have the, the, the they'll have the game at a sports bar somewhere, uh, but I'm going to try to find a place to watch the game. It's a 3 o'clock game, one of the three three oh five or 3 uh, 15, whatever it ends up being. It's going to be one of those times, so there are not going to be a lot of NFL games. I'm hoping... They can broadcast it from the uh, – that the game will be available in uh, CBS in uh, Las Vegas uh, because I'm, I'm already going to be doing a lot that that day, that evening since it's New Year's. So I prefer to kind of just relax in the hotel and, and watch the game uh, at the Venetian. Uh, so hopefully uh, I'll be able to catch the game. I'll, I'll, I'll find a way to watch it one way or another, but uh, I'll try to do a Facebook Live video uh, next week as well. You guys can follow me on Twitter at Farzine21. And you guys can also email me Farzine at FarzineVesugian.com. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. If you guys enjoy the podcast, you like what you hear, let a friend know about it. Share the links on social media. Alright, let's get right into it because... Everyone's pretty excited right now. A lot of Chiefs fans very happy with what this team was able to accomplish. A great win. Another defining win for the Chiefs. This time over the Miami Dolphins. 29-13 win. And that gave the Chiefs the AFC West title. Certainly uh, a much needed win for the Chiefs to be able to just clinch the playoffs and uh, win the division as well. Of course, the Chargers still right behind Kansas City. So an opportunity for them to still make the playoffs. However... You look at you look at oh everything that's that was going on with the Chargers. They defeated the New York Jets in a fairly low scoring football game. So had the Chiefs lost this one, the, the door would have been wide open for the Chargers to strike and take the division away from Kansas City. And at that point, it, there would have been a very slim chance for the Chiefs to make the playoffs. In fact, if they were to lose out, I don't think they would have made the playoffs. So uh, not even as a wild card team. So uh, good news. They, they they got it over with. They won the division, so they have a playoff spot secured. Now, a lot of you guys want to know about who the Chiefs are going to play and what seeding possibilities next uh, for, for the postseason in a couple of weeks. That we'll get into in just a moment. Let's just quickly go over this, uh, this game. Well, actually, I do want to get into something else because this is now five seasons in a row that the Chiefs have finished above 500. The last time... 
They had five consecutive seasons above 500. Happened, uh, the, so that trend ended in 1997. It was actually more than five years, but from 93 through 97, that was the last uh, string of five years in which the Chiefs finished above 500 each of those five seasons. Has not happened since Marty Schottenheimer was the head coach. Uh, going to the playoffs, uh, you know, back-to-back years, that, uh, that has not happened. I mean, the Chiefs have not gone three years in a row, but in terms of back-to-back seasons, when we did, and I brought this up last year, that did not happen since Marty Schottenheimer was the head coach. All of these things happening have not happened since good old Marty was the head coach of the Kansas City Chiefs. So, and I know we get so critical of Andy Reid and some of the things he does with with play calling, and, and of course now he's handed them off to Matt Nagy, and, and of course did something similar to uh, Doug Peterson a couple of years ago. And uh, you know, listening at the end of the broadcast, Kevin Harlan and Rich Gannon were talking about how Matt Nagy could be a popular candidate to be a head coach for 2018. So, uh, and a lot of that has to do with the fact that Andy Reid, you know, put his ego aside and said, "Look." Let's let someone else call the plays. I'm not doing a good job of it. I need to focus more on the head coaching side of things and letting someone else handle these play-calling duties, which is what an offensive coordinator should be doing. That's why you have an offensive coordinator, and you get the job done. But listen, Andy Reid, and I posted this on the Facebook page, he goes to uh, the locker room, and he, he always greets the, the the players after every win with um, one of those... Uh, one of those uh, pump-up moments where he says, how about those Chiefs? He comes out of his office, dressed up as Santa Claus, and he's pumping up the players, and he shows up to the post-game press conference, still dressed up as Santa Claus from head to toe. This is one of the first things he said at the start of the press conference. Merry Christmas, everybody. Congratulations uh, to the Hunt family uh, for the first time in the history of the organization having back-to-back championships, AFC West championships. So uh, with that, I don't have a lot to report as far as injuries. Uh, Akeem Hunt has a shoulder sprain. Other than that, uh, it was a great game by everybody. Time's yours. And make it fast. This is hot. (laughs) He said that dress in his Santa suit, and I think they rushed that presser for him, uh, simply because he was uh, dressed like that. But, man, I, I can't imagine him doing that if he was the head coach of the Eagles, considering what they did booing Santa Claus one season and, and, and throwing snowballs at him. But anyway, I, I, the, the job that Andy Reid's done with this football team, things have happened that that's never happened before. And a lot of credit goes all around, but it all, it all starts with the head coach and Andy Reid. Let's not forget, he, he came in here when it was a 2-14 and football team. And the roster was nearly the same in 2013. All you did, you changed, what, two, three starters on defense? And you changed a couple of offensive linemen and you brought a, a new quarterback in, Alex Smith. Now, that's a that's a huge change, but still, uh, I mean, the most notable changes, the head coach and the quarterback. Those were the major changes the Chiefs made, and of course the GM at the time, John Dorsey. But that's what the Chiefs did in between 2012 and 2013. Then what happens? You go 9-0. You take a 2-14 football team, you go 9-0, and here you are with, again, a lot of the players still around. Of course, a few changes. It's five years. A lot changes in five years, of course. But for the most part, Andy Reid took what Scott Pioli built and for some reason, the Chiefs couldn't win with that talent, but Andy Reid did. Andy Reid took this football team and had a 9-0 start with them. And a couple of the games that they lost in 2012, a couple of the opponents they lost to in 2012, they beat in uh, 2013. And a lot of people, and I've, I've said this more and more, I said about how people make the, uh, they, they just make the statement that the Chiefs did not beat anyone impressive with any uh, good credentials during that 9-0 start, and sure, but they lost to a lot of teams last year, and they were killed in a lot of those games. The Chiefs, a lot of people thought they were going to be an 8-win team at best in Andy Reid's first year. They surpassed that with a 9-0 start that season, and you guys all know the story uh, and everything they've overcome. The 0-2 start in 2014, the 1-5 start in 2015, 
losing six of seven in the middle of the season this year, and still. Now the Owen the Owen two start. They unfortunately it was just a nine and seven finish with no uh, no postseason appearance. But still, every season Andy Reid's been the head coach of the Kansas City Chiefs. The Chiefs have finished above five hundred. Again, that has not happened since the end of the nineteen ninety seven season, which that was a uh, I mean uh, several uh, years the Chiefs uh, finished above five hundred. But from ninety three to ninety seven was the last five year run the Chiefs finished above five hundred for five consecutive seasons. Andy Reid's doing stuff with this football team that's never been done before. He's had a pair of 1,000-yard receivers. Tyreek Hill has had it for a couple of weeks now. Travis Kelsey just surpassed the 1,000-yard receiving mark. He needed nine to pass that. And also, Kareem Hunt, he's already ran for 1,000 yards. No team has had a 1,000-yard rusher, a 1,000-yard receiving tight end and wide receiver except for four other teams the Chiefs are the fifth team to do that the Chiefs are the second team in NFL history to have a thousand yard rusher a thousand yard receiving tight end and a thousand yard uh, receiving uh, wide receiver and a four thousand yard passer since 1981 that's the last time it happened and that was the Chargers so the Chiefs are the second team in NFL history to be able to accomplish such feat. So you're seeing things that that don't often happen. And if you told me that the Chiefs would have been able to do that at some point in their franchise, I would have thought for sure that that would have happened uh, under uh, Dick Vermeule's guidance. And it never did, unfortunately. And I'm not saying those offenses weren't great, but uh, this is a three-dimensional offense. I know I've refer to this offense as a very dynamic offense when they when they play that way uh but man even with a stretch where some of the players were quiet here and there the fact that you have two 1000 yard receivers a tight end and a wide receiver in Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey Kareem Hunt a rookie who's rushed for 1000 yards and Alex Smith who's had an up and down year who has thrown for 4000 yards for the first time in his career this just shows you What this offense is capable of. They are capable of taking this football team to the playoffs. And let me say this about this defense. And they accomplished this in the game. But more times than not, when the Chiefs win, the Chiefs are creating all sorts of turnovers. And they're getting to the quarterback quite a lot. And also, when they win, Kareem Hunt generally has a great game. So, listen, the recipe for the Chiefs to win is for Kareem Hunt to have a great game. And for the defense... To manufacture takeaways and put pressure on the quarterback. At the beginning of the year, we were complaining, why is this defense not going after the quarterback on a consistent basis? And now that we're seeing them do that, they've won three games in a row. And even before the three-game winning streak, when they were playing teams like the the Jaguars and the Giants, they weren't letting them light uh, light up the scoreboard. They held the Giants to 12 points in, in four quarters plus the overtime period, almost the entire overtime period. Uh, the Jaguars held them to 16 points. Now, the Jets game, that, that, that was an off night for the, for the defense. An off afternoon, I, I should say. But against the Raiders, allowing 15 points. The Chargers and the Dolphins only scored 13 points. And let's just get into it. I think this is actually a great place to start with this football game. The Chiefs winning over the, over the Dolphins. Second week in a row, you hold the team to 13 points. The Dolphins shut out completely. In the second half. A missed field goal also played a role in that. But man, overall, and a lot of people were concerned about the Chiefs tackling in this one, especially in the first half. But uh, I mean, that catch uh, by Jakeem Grant where he went 65 yards, that was just a really bad play uh, for the Chiefs. Yes, they had some missed tackles here and there. But as far as a really horrible play for that defense, the only one was that 65-yard catch and run play for Jakeem Grant. Uh, which was the only touchdown of the game for Jay Cutler and the Miami Dolphins in this football game. The Chiefs minimized uh, Miami's opportunities in this football game. Jay Cutler was 19 of 38 in this football game for 286 yards, just a 73.8 quarterback rating. So he was not able to do a whole lot in this football game. So the Chiefs definitely found a way to limit him, slow him down, hold hold the Dolphins to just 59 yards of rushing on the ground, whereas the Chiefs, 
They had 103 yards total in this football game. Kareem Hunt ran 91 yards off 29 carries and a touchdown. I'm getting kind of concerned because the Chiefs do tend to give the ball to Kareem Hunt quite a lot. Yes, they used Chuck Kendrick West quite a lot. They didn't give him any handoffs in this game, but they did throw it to him four times. He caught it three times, almost had a touchdown at one point, but... Um, I would prefer to see fewer carries for Kareem Hunt because I think even Charkandrick West, the guy who's a very physical uh, running back and, and has some speed as well, he's definitely someone who can definitely uh, help uh, take away some of the duties. Uh, Kareem Hunt, he's done a great job as a one-dimensional back, but considering what kind of talent he really has, you want to be able to use him for a long time. You don't want this guy to be around for just five, six, seven years. Uh, hopefully he can be a great running back for 10 years, all of them in Kansas City. Uh, running backs don't have a long uh, shelf life uh, in, in pro football, uh, especially these days with how hard defenses uh, hit and how physical they are. So uh, hopefully the Chiefs can find a way to work around it and not have to give them the ball uh, so many times each and every single game. But for right now, things are working right now for the Chiefs, and they're able to find ways to win. Kareem Hunt's getting the ball rolling again. Uh, you're seeing him get on, get onto a roll once again, and this is great to see. And we haven't even talked about the passing game so much yet. Uh Alex Smith and what he was able to do through the year. Connected with Tyree Kill on a 52-yard reception. And once again on a 34-yard. It was a horribly underthrown pass. But he, he threw it while being drilled. And I believe it was by Nadamik and Sue. And Tyree Kill uh, had to had to stop. And came away with that catch as his defender lost sight of the football. And Alex Smith also had a 35-yard pass to Olsen Charles. Uh, which I have to chuckle because he wears 82 in it. And, of course, we know about Dante Hall and Dwayne Bowe. I mean, those were the notable 82s here in Kansas City. So to see someone else uh, make a big catch uh, like that wearing 82, certainly surprising. But Olsen Charles, one of the tight ends for the Chiefs, uh, and one of the newer players, too, who came away with a big grab. And Alex Smith distributing the football to a lot of guys. Uh, you look around, Travis Kelsey, four catches for 47 yards and a touchdown, the only passing touchdown of the game. For the Chiefs in this one. Tyree Kill out of uh, six catches, 409 yards. Albert Wilson, three catches, 36 yards. Should have had more catches. He was targeted eight times in this football game and had dropped a couple of uh, passes, including one. This one's kind of interesting. Albert Wilson and Tyree Kill, both next to each other, both of them wide open with defenders behind them. I have no idea how that happens. That is an issue for the Miami Dolphins to figure out as to why their secondary allowed not one, but two wide receivers next to each other torch uh, the secondary. I'm not quite sure how that happened, but it, it's great to see if you're a Chiefs fan. So Alex Smith airs it out to the guy who was just further down the field, and it happened to be Albert Wilson. Had six points on the board, dropped it right there. Uh, I mean, that's what Albert Wilson's got to have right there. Uh, and I, here's the thing, and I've said this on Facebook and Twitter, and I'll say it again. I think Albert Wilson has the ability to be a really good Number two wide receiver, but he's got to make plays like that in order to be considered a reliable wide receiver, to be a viable number two receiver uh, in the NFL. When you drop a pass like that, uh, I mean, he's going to hear about it in the film room sometime this week from the coaching staff. So he's got to be able to come away with that drive right there. It was a great pass by Alex Smith and all these critics uh, who have talked about him not being able to throw. I've been a critic of Alex Smith. You guys know me. But I've I've always talked about how he is capable of throwing the ball downfield. And a lot of people saying he can't. He absolutely can. He did a lot in 2015. Did it a lot last year. And he's doing it even more this year. Especially with Tyree Kill. Anytime you see Alex Smith air the ball out the way he does, you know 99% of the time Tyree Kill is the guy wide open right there. And Tyree Kill holds up the peace sign, flashes the V, and uh, marches on his way. To the end zone. Uh, now you didn't see the touchdown play from Tyreek Hill necessarily. But 109 yards, 6 catches. You'll always take that. Especially when you can get Travis Kelsey with the uh, with the touchdown. And, and unfortunately Travis Kelsey uh, made a uh, high uh, grab. Well, not a grab necessarily. But pulled in a pass. But could not maintain possession. As the ground pretty much caused the incompletion. Uh, it was almost a mirror image of when Matt Castle threw a touchdown pass to Tony Moyaki in 2010 against the 49ers. Uh, Travis Kelsey almost had that exact same pose where he was trying to uh, pull in that catch uh, the way Moyaki did. So almost made that play, but hey, look, 29 points on the scoreboard. That's great, but hopefully come playoff time, 
the Chiefs are not leaving points like that on the scoreboard. Now, Harrison Butker also had a missed field goal late in the game before the end of the game. But look, I mean, you shut them out in the in the second half completely. Uh, so for Kansas City to get what they had, uh, we'll take it. Two touchdowns in this game. Both of them came in the second quarter. The Chiefs had three field goals in the second half. Uh, so no touchdowns the rest of the way. So hopefully Kansas City can find a way to get those missed points and put them up there. Because in the playoffs, you you put up field goals instead of touchdowns on missed opportunities. Oh boy, yeah, that could come back to haunt you. So hopefully the Chiefs can find a way to prevent that from happening come postseason time. Speaking of field goals though, Harrison Butker outscored the entire Dolphins team by himself with five field goals and a pair of PATs. Harrison Butker outscored the Dolphins by himself 17-13. to When you have a kicker who can outscore an entire team, I think there are some things that need to be discussed with the football team. Uh, I mean, so many things went wrong for the Dolphins. Allowing two players to, uh, to just torch them side by side. Uh, and the only thing that went wrong was that drop, Albert Wilson doing the Dolphins secondary the biggest favor there after torching them along with his fellow teammate, his fellow speedster and Tyree Kill. But uh, Kansas City still found a way to, to come away with a win at the end of the day. So, And I haven't even talked about the defense yet. Uh, and I think it's just worth noting, uh, consistently brought pressure on, on Jay Cutler. Found a way to get to him. Benny Logan sacked him at one point. Uh, Marcus Peters had two, coming off his interception or her, his uh, his suspension last week. Marcus Peters had two interceptions and forced a fumble last week. In this game, he forced a fumble and he recovered one. Oh, and by the way, let's not forget it was reported uh, last night or uh, Friday or Saturday night, night, I should say. Uh, Marcus Peters had done some charity work in the in the public. 300 coats he gave away to uh, to children for Christmas this week. He also fed 250 families on Thanksgiving. So for all those naysayers who are saying that Marcus Peters should be kicked off the team, he's having a crappy year, uh, he's, he's a malcontent, he, he's a cancer, uh, those people, uh, you don't hear them anymore. Those people are completely silent. So all this BS about how you know he's protesting and how he's... Uh, you know, he should be kicked off the team. He, he's a distraction. He's horrible. He's a horrible human being. Uh, you're not hearing so, so many people talk about that. I have criticized him for his actions, but I never once said that he was a bad person, nor did I ever say that he should be kicked off the team. So, and I thought it was just absolutely asinine that people would even uh, entertain those ideas. Uh, so, so Marcus Peters again, once, once again, doing work off the field and on the field. As a matter of fact, he teamed up with Paul Rudd, uh, Ant-Man, uh, several other gigs he's had, uh, and also part of, uh, Kansas City's, uh, big slick event that takes place every summer at Coffin Stadium in, in, in the Kansas City area, going to hospitals and raising money. Uh, tremendous job. Uh, I commend those, uh, local celebrities that do a great job with it, but he teamed up with Paul Rudd, uh, and, uh, doing so, uh, keeping, uh, kids warm. For the winter, and as a matter of speaking of Paul Rudd, he was uh, he and Eric Stone Street were both spotted in the locker room uh, following the Chiefs' division uh, division uh, title victory uh, in the locker room. Talking to a few of the guys, and I know a lot of people love uh, seeing those guys uh, in public when they're interacting with uh, Chiefs fans, Royals fans. I know those guys got a lot of attention when the Royals were in the World Series a couple of years ago. So great to see all of Kansas City just coming together and enjoying this, and the Chiefs. Getting a much-needed big win over the Dolphins to win the AFC West. And there's going to be another game at Arrowhead Stadium. And listen, uh, you know, I've said all along, uh, I'm not too confident in this team's abilities in the playoffs. uh, Especially with the way they look during that seven-game stretch, losing six of those games. But listen, uh, it's not every... Let me just say this about, about the playoffs and the postseason. In any sport... There's a reason that we have the playoffs. We don't just, it's not like how college football was where you just take the two best teams and you give them the, the championship game. You you play it out. The number one seed doesn't go to the playoffs every single season. In the NCAA tournament, 
It's happened only once where all of the number one seeds made it to the final four. And that was, by the way, the same year the Kansas Jayhawks won in 2008 when Mario Chalmers hit that crazy game-tying three in the, in the comeback over Memphis. So, listen, you, you want to talk about, you know, seedings and such? Look, uh, at the end of the day, just because the Patriots are likely to, to get home field advantage doesn't mean that we should just write them in for, for the Super Bowl. And there are a couple of teams that are certainly capable of challenging this Patriots team. We saw what the Chiefs did earlier this year. Granted, it was week one. A lot has happened since week one. But I'd love to see another rematch and see the Chiefs be be the team that on a rare occasion can hand a pair of losses to the Patriots within the same year. But man, uh, the playoffs are a brand new ballgame. I don't care what anyone's record is going into the playoffs. You can make your predictions, sure. That's, that's fine. But never assume things. Never just guarantee a win for a team and start planning ahead for the following week. I think if, if I've learned anything in sports uh, since I started watching, and I know you know the younger crowd, they're always thinking ahead. They're they're they're, they're wondering why teams aren't losing intentionally for a draft pick and such. Uh, but at the end of the day, as sports fans, and I don't care what age you are, how long you've been watching, uh, you see a lot of sports fans that just talk about what the AFC title game will be. A lot of people think it's going to be the Chiefs or excuse me, the uh, Patriots and the Steelers. If I've learned anything as a sports fan over the years, it's to never plan ahead, never to assume things. Take everything one week at a time, one game at a time, and let it all play out. Because listen, if this Chiefs team, if the offense, if that dynamic offense shows up in the playoffs, if you can see Tyree Kill or Travis Kelsey doing their thing, and Albert Wilson, let me say this about Albert Wilson, and I'll throw DeAnthony Thomas and, and DeMarcus Robinson as well, those guys have made some flashes this year, not on a consistent basis, and I think Albert Wilson, had he been able to play all 16 games, I thought he, I think he'd have a lot better stats and be one of the better number two receivers out there in the NFL. The Chiefs have a lot of great targets, and Demetrius Harris had a great game. I forgot to mention this, the tight ends in this game, Eight catches for 100 yards from Travis Kelty, Demetrius Harris, and Charles Olsen. I know Demetrius Harris dropped a, a pass right at the inside the five when all he had to do was just go to the end zone. Uh, and he was criticized for that quite a lot. But, man, uh, this Chiefs team does have a lot of weapons. And, you know, whenever was playing to their potential, Demetrius Harris, he's a solid number two tight end. Charles Olsen, he's been able to make some plays since he's gotten here. Talked about D'Anthony Thomas. There was a there was a stretch where he's been able to do a uh, where he did a couple of big things for the Chiefs, helping the offense uh, move the chains, get closer to the end zone. Albert Wilson, I, I've already talked about him, and Travis Kelsey, Tyree Kill. We all know about those two guys, and we all know about Kareem Hunt, uh, Kendrick West, uh, some of the contributions he's been able to make for this football team. This is an offense that has a lot of weapons across the board. This is not an offense that many defenses want to go up against. And I think that's great news if you're a Chiefs fan. If you're Matt Nagy, the offensive coordinator, you've got to love what you have to work with. As far as the defense goes, I know this has been a, a an up-and-down defense. But they've allowed just 17.8 points per game in the last six games. 17.8 points per game. During this winning streak, they've allowed 13.6 points per game. This is a defense, again, when they're putting pressure on quarterbacks and getting uh, takeaways, this Chiefs team is winning games. When Kareem Hunt has a big game, this Chiefs team will win games. This Chiefs team, they've got the ability to go to the Super Bowl. They really do. Now, listen, all 12 teams that are in the playoffs, they all have the ability to, to win the Super Bowl. The problem with the Chiefs, and the reason I think they are different than a lot of these other teams that you're seeing in the playoffs, the Chiefs had a, have had a consistency issue this year. We talked about how they lost six of seven games, but even during that losing streak, you still saw some of their playmakers doing big things that other teams don't have. I'll say this: Look, I'm not, I'm not being, I'm not saying that I'm fully confident, and I expect the Chiefs to win it all. Uh, I, I have to say, I do fear. Uh, when I when I think about the Chiefs in the playoffs, I, I I keep asking myself which Chiefs team will show up. That we don't know, and I think in a way, and I and I've said this before, I'll say it again, and I even said this last year too because I still think this was a similar team last year. 
this mysterious Chiefs offense and the team overall, I think it can be a good and a bad thing because, I mean, it's bad because you want to be consistent. But it's great because opposing teams have no idea what in the hell to expect. And even in this game at times, when the Chiefs had some had some creative play calls and threw the Dolphins' defense off guard and found a way to to move the football. I mean, this Chiefs team, when when the play calling is creative, when it's when it's not repetitive, and when the execution's there, and when everyone's bringing their A game, man, this Chiefs team, what they did in New England in Week One. To start off the season. They could do it to a lot of teams in the playoffs. Listen. The Chiefs don't have home field advantage. We know that. But that doesn't mean. That it's the end all be all for them. There's an opportunity for the Chiefs. To. Surprise and stun a lot of teams this postseason. And you want to talk about dark horses. Look I talked about the Jaguars. I think they're, they're certainly one. And. I want to put the Chiefs out of the question here. I'll go, I'll go into detail about this more next podcast, but man, I'll be honest. I think you've got four really good teams in the AFC, all of them division winners. The Patriots, the Steelers, the Jaguars, and the Chiefs. Now, I'll be interested in seeing the the odds and what Vegas has to say as to who will represent the AFC in the Super Bowl. But man, I think this is going to be a very close year. And I know record-wise, the Chiefs aren't going to be up there next to the Patriots and the Steelers. But uh, I, I, I just feel like this record the Chiefs have, right now it's a 9-6 and record. Could be a 10-6 and record or a 9-7 and record. I don't think that's a valid indication of what this Chiefs team is really capable of. I don't. Speaking of 9-7, and let's not forget... The Giants, they were a wild card team when they stopped the Patriots when they were looking to go 19-0, handing them their first and only loss of the year in the Super Bowl. And the Giants did it once again with a 9-7 record, defeating the Patriots once again in the Super Bowl. So look, I don't care what anyone's record is or what seed they have or or who has a home game and who doesn't. Uh, You throw all of that out the door because I think at the end of the day, the, the January is a whole new ball game. It really is. So hopefully the Chiefs can build off their strengths, improve on their weaknesses for the next couple of games, and find a way to just dominate in the playoffs because this team is capable of that. Remember how they looked in that playoff game against the Colts? The one where, unfortunately, they blew it in the end. Think of what the what talent that offense had. And compare it to what you have right now. Because this this offense right now in 2017 is a hell of a lot better than what the Chiefs had in 2013. All you really had was Jamal Charles and Dwayne Bowe showed up here and there. Yeah, Dwayne Bowe had a phenomenal game in that playoff game. 10 catches for 150 yards and a touchdown. Should have had two touchdowns if Junior Hemingway would have blocked uh, in one of Bowe's big catch and run plays. But hey, uh, I mean it is what it is at the end of the day. Can't go back and change it. But bottom line is, what you have right now, and I don't know if there's ever been an offense as dominant as this one with the Chiefs. You look at the running back, Kareem Hunt. Okay, you've had some great running backs in the past that have uh, helped the Chiefs get to the playoffs. Jamal Charles, Larry Johnson, Priest Holmes. I mean, we've seen some of the top running backs before. Uh, In fact, those three guys I listed, uh, those are the top three rushers in Chiefs history. Now let's look at wide receiver. You've got Tyreek Hill. Who in Chiefs history has had a more dominant run going into the playoffs as a wide receiver? Let's look at the 1,000-yard receivers the Chiefs have had that have helped them go to the playoffs. 1983, you had Carlos Carson. The most receiving yards by a wide receiver taking the Chiefs to the playoffs the same year. Uh, That was in 83 with 1,351 yards. You had Otis Taylor back uh, before the merger. And then a lot of times, a lot of, I mean, Tony Gonzalez had a lot of great seasons. Dwayne Bowe had 1,162 in 2010. Also had almost the same amount in 2011, but the Chiefs didn't go to the playoffs that year. Travis Kelsey in 2016, not a wide receiver, obviously, but had 1,125 yards. Otis Taylor, uh, just shortly after the merger, 1,110 yards. 
Uh, Eddie Kennison had 1,102 in 2005, but the Chiefs didn't go to the playoffs that, that year. Andre Risen, uh, as far as receivers most recently outside of Dwayne Bowe, he had a little more than 1,000 yards or close to 1,100 yards. So the Chiefs haven't had a lot of wide receivers in recent history that have amassed a lot of yards and gone to the playoffs the same year. So Tyree Kill is not only doing great on the field, but he's all his play is making an impact in helping the Chiefs get to the postseason. And if there's anything I was wrong about before the season, I, I was really nervous about Tyree Kill and what he was capable of doing with the Chiefs as a number one wide receiver. Man, I mean, he has just been lights out this season. Uh, it, it's really been a great year. And man, uh, props to him because he's overcome a lot of things personally. Of course, we all remember he came here with the incident of um, uh, of choking his girlfriend at the time, his pregnant girlfriend. Uh, that is. And the amount of criticism he received for that. And you look at him right now. uh, 69 catches for 1,074 yards on the season. And he's really been a big factor for Kansas City in the passing game. It has touched the ball a little bit on the ground. But hasn't been used as much in that that area. The Chiefs tried to give them the uh, go-around once. But uh, didn't do a whole lot in this football game against the Dolphins. But for the most part, he's been a, a... Phenomenal player, and again, sixty-nine catches, uh, getting the surpassing the one thousand yard mark. That's not a lot uh, as far as receptions go. A lot of players usually get the one thousand yard mark around 80, 90 catches. And Tyree Kill did it in a, in a shorter time span, uh, and that's definitely been great. And hopefully, the Chiefs can do more of that in the playoffs. As you may remember, last year in the playoffs against the Steelers, Tyree Kill was open a couple of times, and Alex Smith. Uh, let the pressure get to him and didn't take the time he needed because he was so focused on on uh, the offensive uh, the defensive line for the Steelers, not showing the confidence he should have had, and that led to missing Tyree Kill at times. So hopefully, hopefully the Chiefs can overcome that and not let that happen again two postseasons in a row. Because if that happens, it would just be a really tough way to go out. Uh, considering everything this offense has accomplished this year, doing things that not even the Patriots have done. So many great offenses over the years that you've seen in NFL history. Uh, you talk about the Steelers, excuse me, the, the, the Patriots and some of the things their offense accomplished uh, during that 18-0 and season. Uh, and, and even outside of that, just because of what they have with Tom Brady and Peyton Manning, uh, what, he's, what he's had. It's very difficult to have a 1,000-yard rusher and two 1,000-yard pass catchers. Uh, and, of course, Alex Smith still throwing for 4,000 yards and still being an active scrambler. Uh, I know we have a lot of those in the NFL nowadays, but still, uh, for Alex Smith to be able to accomplish uh, the 4,000-yard receiving mark, uh, or passing mark, excuse me, while being a scrambler, uh, th- this is pretty impressive. This is an offense that can hurt you in a lot of ways. You got some big playmakers across the board. You, you you've got a quarterback who's mobile and knows how to throw the football and can get the ball to his playmakers. And of course, you've got uh, a scary running uh, running back in Kareem Hunt. So there are a lot of things that a lot of defenses have to worry about when they face the Kansas City Chiefs. And if this offense can go out there, do their jobs, let the defense get the time they need to rest on the sidelines, not have so many three and outs. That defense is, is going to come back on the field fresh, and they're going to they're going to go out there and cause havoc, create havoc for opposing offenses. It's exciting to think about. It really is. Now, listen, I I said this last year after that loss to the Steelers. I can't allow myself to get too excited, and here I am getting too excited. I I'm not gonna I'm not gonna hide from that. But man, if this Chiefs team can find a way. To be consistent and play to their potential each and every single game, I don't think it's out of line to think that this Chiefs team could go to the Super Bowl. So there are a lot of things to to, to think about here. Yeah, I mean they they lost six of seven, but I don't think that's a that's a fair uh, representation of what that team is. Uh, how the team looked in, during that seven game stretch, they didn't look like that in their other eight games. 
All right, I've, I've had this question asked a lot by uh, by you guys. A lot of people want to know, can the Chiefs leapfrog the Jacksonville Jaguars for a number three seed? And the answer to that is no, according to ESPN's playoff machine. I, I spent a few minutes just kind of playing around with it, uh, trying to see what would happen if the Jaguars were to lose out and um, if the Chiefs were to win out. And there is no possibility uh, in which the Chiefs could surpass the Jaguars for a three seed. So the Chiefs are stuck with a four seed. As far as teams that they will play in the first round of the wild card, there are three possibilities. It's very likely that the Chiefs will play the Baltimore Ravens. The Ravens will be playing the Bengals in week 17, a team that has not been very good this year. So all the Ravens have to do is, is win that football game. And they'll end up playing uh, the Kansas City Chiefs. Even if the Titans beat the Jaguars next week, uh, it'll be the Titans uh, that'll have the sixth seed. And the Ravens will have a five seed. So uh, that is the situation there. Uh, Well, let me real quickly check. Yeah, uh, there's a chance that Buffalo uh, could replace the Titans for a sixth seed if the Jaguars beat the Titans, and if the Bills beat the Dolphins. But not that you guys care about that too much. Bottom line is, the Chiefs, if I had to give you guys like a percentage, I'd say there's an 80% chance that the Chiefs will play the Ravens at home in a couple of weeks. Maybe a, I don't know, 19% chance they play the Titans, and then a small possibility that the Buffalo Bills would come to Kansas City. And that would require the Ravens losing to the Bengals, the Titans losing to the Jaguars. That will be a very close matchup next week. And uh, the Dolphins would uh, need to lose, or the, the Bills would need to defeat the Dolphins, I should say. So, uh, more likely than not, the Chiefs will end up with the Baltimore Ravens. And again, uh, ch- uh, checking to see if the Jaguars were to lose that and the Chiefs win out, uh, the Chiefs still would end up with a four seed. So, now we can entertain this discussion here. What should the Chiefs do this Sunday against the Denver Broncos? Should they bench all 22 starters? Let's not forget, and this was actually a last-second thing the Chiefs announced here. In Week 17 of the 2013 season, the Chiefs had a 5-seed. And regardless of the outcome for their Week 17 game against the Chargers that year, they were still going to have the 5-seed. So Andy Reid made Alex Smith and Jamal Charles inactive. He benched uh, all 22 of his starters, and he started 22 backups in that game. Now, people are saying that resting starters or having a bye week generally doesn't help the Chiefs. Well, look, in that football game against the Colts I mentioned, they put up 44 points, and it took a 28-point comeback for the, the Colts to win that football game. I'd like to think that this Chiefs team would not allow such a big comeback like that once again. So, I'm not, uh, I, I don't like the whole resting uh, a week. I, I agree, it hasn't really boded well for the Chiefs, even though people want to talk about Andy Reid's record coming off a of bye week. Now, this is not a bye week necessarily, but it would still feel like a bye week in a way, because why would you start Alex Smith? No reason to. Why Why put Travis Kelsey out there? Why put Tyree Kill out there? Why Why put Marcus Peters out on the field? Darrell Rivas. I mean, guy, especially when you're already without Eric Berry and you've had uh, some, you know, Justin Houston, this is his first season back playing a full year, uh, being available in week one. Tom Bahali, he's been kind of on and off this year. You want those guys all to be available. So I can understand the uh, the decision to bench all 22 starters. And look, let's not forget, we all, well, I don't think anyone forget has forgotten this, but the Chiefs did draft a quarterback this year in the first round, in the, in the, in the top 10, 10th overall. So why not use this opportunity to let Pat Mahomes go up, not just against an NFL defense, a division rival in the Denver Broncos, a fantastic defense in the Denver Broncos. This would be a great test for Pat Mahomes. So maybe he struggles in this football game. You work on that with him moving forward. But uh, this would be a great first test for Pat Mahomes against a very good Denver defense. Now, someone even tweeted me this, and I had thought this as well. Shouldn't you leave Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey on the field for maybe just a couple of plays or maybe a couple of drives just to see how Pat Mahomes would do with those guys? Because he didn't play a lot with those guys quite a lot in the preseason. Now he did have a great connection with Demarcus Robinson in the regular or in the preseason, excuse me, especially in that final preseason game. 
So maybe those two guys can reconnect once again, this time doing so in the regular season. That would be a lot of fun to see. But for right now, uh, I would say expect the Chiefs to do what they did a few years ago when Andy Reid benched all 22 starters, arrested them rather, and started 22 backups. And I think this is an opportunity to see what what Pat Mahomes is, is capable of. What has he learned uh, from watching Alex Smith for 16 weeks, for 15 games? And what can he do in the one time that he's able to play this year? And if he could, if he has a great game against the Broncos, and if Alex Smith suffers an injury of some sort, maybe you'll have some confidence uh, in Pat Mahomes. Uh, sure, a lot of people want to see him. But at this point, with him not playing at all, if Alex Smith suffers an injury in the playoffs, how confident would you really be in Pat Mahomes' abilities uh, in the playoffs? Let's not forget when the Raiders last lost Derek Carr and also lost their backup, they had to put a rookie quarterback going into the playoffs. And that's never a position you want to be in, especially when the rookie hasn't even had any opportunity to uh, to be able to to have at least a couple of warm-up games just to kind of get, get a feel for the NFL uh, level at in the, in the regular season. So... And this would be a great opportunity to have with Pat Mahomes. Uh, let him kind of get his feet wet against a good defense. And, hey, look, uh, again, injuries are part of the game in an unforgivable way. So if anything were to happen with Alex Smith, well, uh, Pat Mahomes would have a little bit of familiarity with the NFL game against, again, a, a defense that recently was a big reason why the Broncos won the Super Bowl. So you would have that under his belt. And he would kind of get a feel of what it would be to, to work with Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey in a more realistic game against a, a, a phenomenal defense. So this would be kind of interesting to see. So uh, we'll see what the Chiefs decide to do. I, I think they're definitely going to go with the 22 backups in this one, similar to what they did a couple of years ago. And I think it would be the smart move. Look, the Chiefs have some terrific players. Uh, again, I, I mentioned a list of guys. I don't need to go over them. But if Tyree Kill gets injured next week, if Travis Kelsey gets hurt, if you lose Kareem Hunt... Uh, if, if they all suffer some sort of an injury in that Week 17 game against the Broncos, what do you do going into the into the postseason? I think a lot of people are going to be nervous about that going in, and you never want to run that risk. Uh, so, hey, listen, I, I know people don't like the uh, resting 22 guys because they talk about players being rusty and all. Look, I mean, they're still practicing throughout the week. It's not like they're just sitting on the couch you know, eating eggnog and popcorn all week. And no, not at all. I mean, they were still out there practicing, uh, you know, popping pads a little bit here and there. So I think Kansas City is definitely going to go that route for Week 17. Hopefully, we'll know more about that later this week. Uh, maybe maybe Andy Reid throws that smoke screen and says that Alex Smith will still be the starter, but then at the last second, we'll start Pat Mahomes. So surely the Broncos are going to be ready for anything and everything the Chiefs will try to throw at them. For that final game of the regular season. And look, it's been a rough season for the Broncos. And they want to end the season on a good note. So it'd be kind of cool to see Pat Mahomes and the other backups go into mile high. And win win with 22 backups. That'd be cool to see. So hopefully the Chiefs can do that this week. We'll have our preview podcast later this week. That'll be out Thursday morning. And then Friday I will be leaving for Las Vegas. So the, the recap podcast, that'll be out... Uh, let's see, I'll be flying back on New Year's Day, so that'll be out on Tuesday morning. So bear with me on that for this week. So hopefully we'll have, we'll be able to have that for you as early as possible. I see a lot of you guys on Facebook and Twitter suggesting the Chiefs do go the route of starting 22 backups in this game. Let me know your thoughts on this, the playoffs, winning the division, or, or if you have something you want to say about the game, never too late to get into the discussion. Facebook.com slash Farzine Like and follow me on Facebook. Follow me on Twitter at Farzine21. You guys can also email me, Farzine at FarzineVesugian.com. Time to wrap up the show. Let's go around the NFL. Alright, I'm sure you guys remember Butt Fumble from a few years ago. Now there's a thing up there called Butt Interception. I'm sure you guys saw the video for this. Uh, rookie uh, Marshawn Lattimore, who could be uh, the defensive rookie of the year, uh, he just got his fifth pick, and it came in a very impressive manner. Uh, so basically, he's trying to cover a receiver. He fell down, and he feels a ball on the back of his leg... Two Saints players try to pick it up, and it rolls up to his butt, which is why they call it the butt interception. 
So Marshawn Lattimore turns around while uh, get hold, putting one hand on the football, not letting it hit the ground, and he secures an interception while on the ground. Uh, this might be one. I mean, you want to talk about lucky plays? Listen, uh, there's a reason. We, people always talk about luck and all. And listen, Marshawn Lattimore. This is his fifth pick of the season. Great players and great teams end up being luckier than bad teams. Bad teams, well, the, the reason they lose so much, they, they, they're they not very good, and they have very little luck. Uh, I've talked about this before. You, injuries, yes, they're part of the sport. Luck is also part of the sport, and that's just the way it is. I mean, th- there's, there's nothing bad about it. I, it's better to be lucky than to not be lucky. I, I mean, think about some of the teams that are, that are just really terrible this year. Teams like the Browns who might go winless. Uh, you know, a team like the, the Bengals who have had uh, great success in the regular season, but they they finally had enough of their head coach and they fire him. You certainly don't want to be in that position. You'd rather be in other teams' positions uh, with what they with what they're able to do, such as the Chiefs finishing above 500 for five years in a row and everything they've been able to accomplish this year with their offense. So, man, uh, lucky play by Marshawn Lattimore and look. There's nothing wrong with that. In fact, it's kind of a cool play. As a, Saint, as a as Saints fans, they probably enjoy that, and they're probably going to be talking about it all week long as one of the more funnier plays that you'll ever see in the game of football. And by the way, uh, he was quoted after the game saying, I must be living right. So obviously he's making that joke knowing that you know he, he was pretty lucky on that play. And again, nothing wrong with that. Hey, some drama in Green Bay. So Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, and I believe I talked about this earlier this week, the Packers decided to shut down Aaron Rodgers for the remainder of the year, and rightfully so because the Packers are eliminated. Why why play him out there and re-risk that injury that he has, re-injure it, or, or, or have it even worse? So here's what the Packers did. They put him back on IR, uh, and the rule is, uh, and some teams have reportedly complained about this. If he does not suffer a new injury, he cannot be placed back on IR, and therefore the Packers should be forced to release Aaron Rodgers. Adam Schefter on ESPN said this will not be the case, but the complaint that a lot of teams have is that if a player comes off IR and is placed back on IR with no new injury, then that, that, that does kind of create some controversy i guess so listen and look i'm not a big fan of the whole ir deal in terms of players that can and can't come back i think the way it should work and i don't even like the whole inactive thing either i don't know why teams are forced to have seven inactive players i've never really understood that i think the way it should work in the nfl you know you have a 53 man roster why not let teams be able to sign a little bit more let's just say 60 let's say they have 60 guys on their team and a team can choose to have as many actives and inactives as they want. Anyone that's injured or suspended or whatever the case may be, they can be they'll be inactive for that game. And again, you can have as many as you want. Uh, 60 should be enough to have at least uh, a starting 22 and then 22 backups. Uh, so you should have plenty of guys. Ready to go in that case. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'd like to think that'd be a little bit better. We, we have this really complicated system where you have 53 guys, and then you have the IR rule. One player can come off, one cannot, uh, and then another one can come off eventually. I, I, I really don't like the comp- how complicated that is. Um, I, I think instead, we should just have a more simple structure that allows teams, whether or not they can, they can have as many inactives as they want, and if a player is injured, they put them on IR, and they're able to come back whenever they're available. Instead of a, you know, let's say Travis Kelsey, if he's injured for two weeks, he can't necessarily be placed on IR, and you can't have another player take his place on the 53-man roster. So I just think it'd be a little bit better if they allowed teams to have more players, you know, increase the salary cap a little bit, let teams spend more money, and figure that out on their own uh, from from that point forward. I think that'd be just it'd be just a little bit better. If we can just have a more simple structure at the end of the, the day. That way we don't have controversy and, and issues like this anymore down the road. Let's go out of bounds.
I'll tell you what, I got a lot of respect for this guy. There is a gentleman out of Tacoma, Washington, uh, with the name uh, Jareem Barrow, if I, if I pronounce that correctly. Jareem Barrow. So basically what he created, he, he has an invention called the Blank Box. Now, unfortunately, this time of year with Christmas and the holidays, uh, a lot of people are buying stuff and, and a lot of people are shopping online. And unfortunately, not everyone has the luxury of having it uh, come to their home while they are home. If you have a package at home, you pretty much have to be able to pick it up once you get home from work. And for a lot of people, that's four, five, six o'clock. Um, and usually, I mean, if you're living on your own, or even if you you have a husband or a wife, or you're living with someone else, or if you have kids, a lot of you guys aren't home until in the afternoon. So, and these packages can come late in the morning or early in the afternoon, and they they can be sitting there for a couple hours. People, of course, pick them up, and, I, and I've talked about this. I, I just have no respect for athletes who cheat, use steroids, su- such such things. I have zero respect for people who steal and take things from other people. People's hard-earned money. That's for them. And listen, unfortunately, uh, companies like UPS, um, Amazon, which is now doing delivery, um, USPS, when they're delivering items, they just have to leave them on the, on the front door. Uh, because what else do you do with them? You, I mean, these people are off by, by, by the time it's five, six o'clock. So, uh, there's nothing you can do about it. Well, a guy named Jareem Barone invented the blank box and it's basically what it, what it sounds. It's a blank box and there's a brick underneath with, um, with fireworks that are as loud as shotgun shells. Once a a thief tries to pick up that box, a sound that makes a shotgun shell goes off and pretty much scares the the thieves away. It's really impressive. I'll actually post a link. I haven't done it yet. I'm actually going to go ahead and do it uh, because I I, want to spread awareness for this. This is a pretty cool deal. So essentially what they showed in the video with the security cameras, there are a ton of people who will open the box and they freak the hell out thinking someone's shooting at them. They jump off the, the stairwell and uh, end up in the grass uh, laying down like idiots. And they try to run for their lives. So, uh, I, I, and it's really, it's really scary. I mean, you see people just dressed as normal people. They seem like nice people. But they'll just walk up to a front door and take a package because that's just what they want to do. And if it's, if it's a valuable item they like, they'll keep it. If they don't want it, they'll resell it online. I just think that that's... It's a horrible thing, dude. You're, you're messing with people's hard-earned money. That's what it is. I have no respect for people who, you know, rob banks or, or go to stores and try to rob money. I mean, you are robbing money that's not yours, that you did not earn. And uh, there's no reason for you to, to be robbing people's packages at all. I, I, especially for when it's a Christmas gift, all right? Um, that, that's the, that's what's most shameful. It, it really is. Uh, so good for uh, Jareem Barrow. Uh, scaring the hell out of people. Who are trying to steal from others. Uh, he's actually selling this blank box online. And it starts at 50 bucks. I normally don't promote things on here for free. But man, I, I think that is worth something that needs to be promoted. Because uh, I, I just have no respect for crooks who, who, who want to do things. I, I just don't know, like, what's the motivation here? What do you gain out of it? Sure, I guess you gain, you know, something valuable or something you can resell. Uh, but does that... It just makes it hard for me to believe that people feel good about doing crap like this. Uh, it's just, it's innocuous. It really is. And these people deserve to have the crap scared out of them. They really do. So it's really nice to see someone doing something out there, scaring potential crooks and letting them know it's not okay to steal things. So hopefully that's never been the case with you guys for the holidays. Uh, again, I, I, I just can't... Uh, fathom stealing from another person someone's hard work uh their money that you're stealing um just just unforgivable so good for bro this guy's a true american hero this guy's the true santa claus out there preventing thieves from taking away from other people during the holidays final segment of the show let's throw some penalty flags All right, we got another controversy with catch and no catch. I did not talk about this uh, this incident from the Chiefs game, but Tyreek Hill made a spectacular play with his feet, staying in bounds, and looked like he had possession of the football. And Andy Reid challenged the play, and the referee said not enough evidence 
Tor- actually, they they said there was not enough evidence to to decide on the situation. So if it was called a touchdown, it would have still stood. Um, so here we are once again. And by the way, it's a coincidence because it happened against the Patriots. Listen, I've always thought that theory is kind of kind of silly, but I'm starting to kind of be. Listen. If people want to talk about how it's rigged for the Patriots, I I disagree. Because, look, the NFL came down with a really harsh punishment on the Patriots. So, if anything, you would probably think that the NFL is trying to make it harder on them to win. So, I disagree with people saying that uh, the the NFL is rigged for the Patriots. Uh, But I I will say, it is kind of... It's starting to get a little suspicious as to why the Patriots are getting so many of these calls in their favor. I think something's got to be done. Listen, uh, at the end of the day, and I know I talked about the Steelers catch and I thought it was the right call. It's it's the right call according to the rule book, but it's not a good rule. And we had this issue with Kareem Hunt last week. Here's Tyree Kill and the announcers, uh, fans watching from home, the media when they had their angles. A lot of people thought it was a completed catch. According to the ref, according to Andy Reid, what he was told by the refs was that one of their defenders was in the way and could, they could not um, uh, confidently overturn the call in Kansas City's favor when the media and the announcers and everyone else, they believed that the Chiefs, uh, Tyree Kill should have had a touchdown catch right there. So, uh, and it, this incident was pretty big because Kelvin Benjamin... Had a touchdown grab for the Bills against the Patriots, and it was overturned, taken away from him. Why is it that we have so many issues today with deciding what a catch is or not? If we are having to discuss this on a consistent basis, if we have guys like uh, Dean Blandino, Mike Pereira, who are speaking out about this, then the NFL needs to do something. Because this is the second week in a row I've talked about it here on the podcast. This is starting to get out of hand, and it's at the point where it's costing games now. It's it's getting to that level now. Maybe not so much in this game because the Patriots won in a one-sided contest, but look, momentum changes, strategies change depending on a score or a a takeaway, whatever happens, uh, a lot of things change, so... Uh, who knows? Maybe the Bills score a touchdown. It, it diminishes confidence from the other team, and maybe the Bills can rally a- off that. Who knows? Uh, it's starting to, to make a negative impact on the game. It really is. And the NFL, I think, has got to take responsibility for this, and they've got to start changing the rules up a little bit. And I don't know why uh, why the referees in the Chiefs and Dolphins game could not overturn that, that Tyree kill call. That, that's a big question for me. Uh, I'd love to hear what what the media will say about that this week. Uh, I know a lot of the focus will be mostly on Benjamin. uh, But it is kind of weird that the Patriots are getting a lot of these calls. I I, I do have to say that. Uh, But man, uh, as fans, listen, none of us have ever played in the NFL. We've never uh, refereed a football game. And here we are discussing this. If a lot of people take issue with this and they're not clear about why things are going the way they are, then the NFL needs to do something about it. It's not right. And the the league's got to be able to address this issue and try to find a solution. Speaking of a solution, I've got one for the new CEO of Papa John's. As you guys know, Papa John's, oh boy. So, John Schnatner, the founder of Papa John's, will step down as the CEO uh, at the end of the year. And it's funny, I see people sending tweets to Papa John saying that they would like to apply for the job. Well, they already picked the guy. This current COO, uh, Steve Ritchie, January 1st, he'll be the new CEO of Papa John's. And again, uh, let's not forget John Schnatner, he stepped down after criticizing the NFL um, over national anthem protests and saying that... Uh, because of that, it's affecting Papa John's sales because they're a big uh, sponsor of the NFL. Let me just say this for Papa John's uh, new CEO, Steve Ritchie. Stick to pizza. If athletes are supposed to stick to sports, and again, they don't bring this up when J.J. Watt does something big for the community, and I understand it's more of a positive way and it's not controversial, but uh, if athletes are supposed to stick to sports when other people like politicians and Pizza CEO guys can talk about sports. I don't think it's really fair all around. So listen, uh, I say let's 
let's be fair here. The new CEO of Papa John's should stick to pizza, athletes should stick to sports, and politicians stick to politics. Does that sound fair? Does that sound easy enough? I, I, I think it does. So, uh, Mr. Richie, stick to pizza. Something that you hear a lot of people tell to, to athletes and people in sports media, which is to stick to sports. So, stick to pizza, Mr. Richie. Uh, and look, I like Papa John's. It's funny, we talked about this uh, a couple uh, a couple months ago when this was a, a big topic. A lot of people were actually attacking Papa John's. And look, I, I'm not a, I'm not big on what pizza what pizza is better than the. I mean, if you give me Domino's, you give me Pizza Hut, you give me Papa John's, I'll eat whatever. Uh, it, a lot of it's just pizza to me. Uh, some pizza out there, like Minsky's, or at least the one near where I live, it's not very good at all. I've heard a lot of good things about Minsky's, but maybe it's just the one next to me. I don't know. I do love the pizza shuttle in Lawrence, though. Uh, and I know they have it in other college towns. Love the pizza in Lawrence. Uh, but, but again, you know, it's the same thing with, you know, most most burger places. You know, burgers are burgers to me. A beer is beer to me. I, I'm not a beer snob. Just, get, just give me anything. Um, now, yeah, you know, I'm not too crazy about that like a lot of people are. I actually like Papa John's. I really do. Uh, but I did notice that they did increase their prices shortly after those complaints were made by John Schnatner. So kind of funny to see, but John Schnatner stepping down uh, as the CEO of, uh, of the company. That'll do it for this episode of the Chiefs Zone Podcast. Chiefs win. Defeating the Dolphins, they win the AFC West. Now we just got to wait and see who the Chiefs will play in a couple of weeks at Arrowhead Stadium. What are they going to do? Going into the final game of the regular season against the Broncos, who are they going to play under center? What are they going to do with their starters and their backups? All of that will be seen later this week. We will preview that game on Thursday, so make sure you are subscribed to the podcast and share the links on social media if you enjoy them. Interact with me on social media, facebook.com slash Masugin. We'll do a Facebook Live this week. We will do a Facebook Live at halftime between the Chiefs and Broncos during that game and then after the game. Hopefully the Chiefs backups defeating the Broncos at their own home turf. We'll recap that game on Facebook Live and then the podcast will be out likely Tuesday morning, a day late. So be patient for that for one day and uh, surely a lot of you guys might be a little little hungover anyway to listen to podcast on New Year's Day. But that'll be out Tuesday morning for you guys uh, once I get back from Las Vegas. You guys can uh, follow me on Twitter as well, at Farzine21, and email me, Farzine, at FarzineVestugia.com. And big thanks for, for all of you guys for listening this year. Merry Christmas to all of you, your families. Happy Hanukkah, happy Kwanzaa, happy holidays to all of you guys. Be safe, enjoy it with your families. Uh, if you're going to be visiting your families on, uh, later today or, or this week, travel safely, please. Uh, travel, travel back safely as well. Uh, enjoy all of that with the holidays this week. Keep in mind what this is all about. It's about the family. Uh, you people close to you. you always keep them close to you and uh, this is what the holidays are supposed to be about and uh, celebrate with uh, with the Chiefs division title so uh, you can enjoy that as well we'll be back later this week we will preview the game between the Chiefs and the Broncos Merry Christmas to all of you take care <laughs>